This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts Podcast with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, she made her film debut at the age of eight playing a daughter to her real-life father. Welcome actress, director, and producer, Mary Stuart Masterson. A-OK. A-OK. I am here today with the lovely Mary Stuart Masterson. She rose to fame in the 80s and 90s, portraying unforgettable characters in films like Some Kind of Wonderful, Fried Green Tomatoes, Immediate Family, Benny and June, and Better Roses. She hosted Saturday Night Live. She was nominated for a Tony Award in the Broadway revival of Nine, starring opposite Antonio Banderas. Her career began at age eight when she joined the cast of the film Stepford Wives that her father, Peter Masterson was starring in. And by all accounts, this woman has spent her entire life either behind or in front of a camera. So how she is so normal and down to earth is just one of the remarkable things about my friend Mary Stewart that we're going to explore today. So welcome, Mary Stewart. Hi, you're so nice. Well, (laughs) I aim to be nice. That's been a big life goal for me. But isn't this podcast all about being like really nasty and scooping Vulgar. some d- dirt? <laughs> it's, it's called Little Known The Unscooped Vulgarities. <laughs> First of all, I want to ask you about your name because it carries a legacy, I would imagine. What do you know about your name? Well, all I know is that, first of all, I'm named Mary Stewart because my aunt is named Mary Stewart. All right. But the spelling of her name was S-T-E-W, and mine is S-T-U-A. Right. R-T. And my parents decided that though I'd be named for my aunt, I would actually have my own spelling so that I might feel unique and, and s- special. And I'm sure <laughs> you always have been. So you are the child of Peter Masterson. Your mom is Carlin Glynn. Mm-hmm. She was born in Cleveland, and they moved to Texas when she was little. So she okay. grew up in Texas, and my your dad grew, grew up, up in, in Texas. Got as it. Well. So your parents are from Texas. Mm-hmm. They were friends, right? And then he asked her on a date, and um, I think they had three dates, and were engaged. Nine days later, they were married. And how many years have they been married? Gosh, fifty. Uh, Fifty-four, I think. It yeah. really begs the question. <laughs> you and I are both 
married. And we married people that we loved a lot. And so far, so good. Yeah. But I do feel when I hear these stories of people, my my in-laws also met and married very quickly, and that I think was 65 years ago, right? And they're quite in love. But it really makes me think that maybe arranged marriages and <laughs> sort of setups and like, you know what? You have a 50-50 chance of this relationship working out regardless. <laughs> so was your household growing up kind of filled with theater and film luminaries and was there it's sort funny. of a salon atmosphere to it I guess the way I picture in, it in films when it's you like imagine. a Woody Allen movie yeah. kind of yeah you, you know couple, meets John Cassavetes maybe kind a of, little bit yeah. in a way it was and in a way it wasn't you know I think the people that really impressed my dad were more like the basketball stars. You okay. Know? <laughs> Did your dad fraternize? With, Dave with... Dave DeBusher was a very close friend of the family. And Pretend I don't know anything about, about sports. Can you say David who that DeBusher, is? who yeah. was um, on the same team as Bill Bradley and Earl the Pearl Monroe and okay. such of the New York Knickerbockers, okay. who won the 1970 championship, and then sports writers. And actually, I think Havlicek was in our apartment at one point. He's a Boston Celtic. Of course um, he is. You know. And Duh. So, so <laughs> I mean, well, I could go on and so on. So my dad, you know, my dad is, is a very, very avid But was your dad like a Norman Mailer who sort of wrote and covered uh, sports No, no he just is obsessed. He no. was, but how did they end up? He I mean, his... I'm obsessed with a lot of people and they don't end up in my apartment. So I'm curious, <laughs> like, how I, he I honestly traveled. don't. I don't really know how it happened. I don't know how... The DeBushers came to be good friends of the family, actually. But I do know that also William Goldman is my dad's closest friend. And I grew up – he's my godfather. Actually, all my godparents, I decided to get um, – All Oscar-winning screenwriters. The, no, wouldn't that be nice? No, um, they're actually all Jewish pretty much. I right. mean I grew up, <laughs> I grew up right. with no particular religious affiliation. And then I decided to start going to the Episcopal Church and at 16 – I took confirmation classes and was baptized and confirmed. So I actually picked all of my godparents, right? Right. And it was a Stein, a Goldman, a Goldman. I mean, it was just, you know, a, a, and a Strasbourg. That's amazing. It's <laughs> really funny. And now um, you are married to somebody Jewish and, and yeah, your children it's sort of perfect, have right? a completely Jewish last name. Yes, so it's fantastic. It's true. It's perfect. So, yes, yeah, so I guess I didn't even know where I was going with that, but right. I, I ended up in the right place. So I want to just circle back for a second. So your household was a combination of theater stars and sports stars. I'm sure there were some normal people thrown in there, too, yeah, who mostly weren't sort were, of... A lot of... A lot of life was definitely social life was, was very much theater people. And holiday parties at our house were definitely a big thing. We would have the piano and people singing. It was very much the Woody Allen, you know, I like the it. playing and singing and the giant groaning board of food and actors eating everything they can like put in their mouths, you know. That is so much how you are a hostess now in your own <laughs> life. I feel like there's always tons of food. Everybody is welcome. Come when you want. Leave when you want. It's like a very fluid, warm, wherever you've been living, which has been many different places <laughs> in the time that I've known you. Um, I'm actually on the lamb. I'm wanted in several countries. I know. I know. In fact, there's some Starting, beds outside yeah. this recording booth. So I know that 
as the story goes, you were homesick from school when your dad was filming The Stepford Wives. Yeah, my dad was actually working the director. They were going to sort of work on the script because my father was in that movie. He was the lead actor who puts Catherine Ross into a robotic state. Right. Um, and so he he was having a meeting with the director, but I was home from school. And uh, my father was in the bathroom. And so I received the director. I opened the door. I invited him in. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning. Right. And I offered him a gin and tonic. Of course he did. Because that's how the <laughs> and Mastersons was, you know, do it. I was seven. And right. uh, I think he was... Hilarious. Um, I don't know. I guess he thought that was a good thing in or I, pre- precocious at least. Right. So apparently that was your audition. So that was my audition. That was my audition, I guess. So yeah. you did crafts. So you basically made drinks and played <laughs> this little girl on I the I got film. him drunk. I <laughs> sat him down on the couch. Like the op- reverse casting couch. Yes. And then I told him, <laughs> and then I said my dad, and then I yelled, dad, get out of the bathroom. Right. Really Which I'm sure didn't embarrass polite. him at all. No, no. I said he's indisposed. <laughs> he's indisposed. Would you like more lime? <laughs> Hilarious. And, and. They needed a kid, and there you were. I Perfect. don't remember if he actually had me make the gin and tonic. I just remember offering it to him. Either way, you got the job. Yeah, I got the job. It was a very bizarre mixed blessing, too, because I remember at the time feeling very conflicted about it because I was the middle child, and right. I felt like if I said – my parents gave me the option because it was going to be during the summer. Right. And they said, you have to decide whether you want to do this or not. And I have, like, two lines in the movie. Right. So it's not like a lead. It's not like right. a Haley Joel Osment okay. moment. I okay. didn't have any talent. You didn't I was see a to- dead people. It no. didn't center on your character. I was a total story. stiff as okay. an actress, totally uncomfortable in front of the camera. That's the truth. <laughs> okay. um, but there I was with this freighted, with this decision of what to do. And um, my parents said, just, well, we're going out to dinner tonight. Just leave a note on our bed when you decide what to do. <laughs> and I wrote a smiley face with dollar signs for eyes because I felt like if I said it was about I have to do it because of the money, right? that was okay. Right. Like you're going to help your family I'm, buy I'm more gonna, gin. <laughs> I'm going to keep that gin and tonic. <laughs> gin budget. Right. Um, so I don't know that I felt like really bad. Like if I get it and, and you know, my sister doesn't get it or my brother was too little, but like right. that's not fair. So why me? Why am why I me? being chosen? Yeah, yeah. And really it was just a random thing right. in all honesty. But um. So I remember feeling really weirdly guilty and strange about it. But I said, yes. <laughs> right. You wanted those dollar I eyeballs. I those big dollars, those big bucks. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that was a whopping $300 yeah. a day. Oh, yeah. So speaking of acting jobs between eight and now, um, <laughs> you have worked, and I'm not doing this to be sexist because the list of women that you've worked with from Mary Louise Parker onward is equally impressive. But I was thinking about all the different co-stars you've had in your incredibly illustrious career. <laughs> and I want to play like a little word association game with you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> where, where, and again, we can bleep. So I'm going to name an actor that you've worked with. And I just want you to say free association, the first word that comes to mind. Okay. okay Are you game? You yes, don't have to play. Totally Are you game? game. Yeah. Okay. Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> oh, vodka shooters. Christian Slater. <laughs> um, and vodka shooters, I have, to, I have to explain that. Okay. That is a um, pump action water gun that was filled with vodka for a party. Oh, and the other one would be music to get divorced too, because he made me mixtape because I was getting divorced for the first time. That's really sweet. It was really cool. All right. Cocteau twins. Very cool. 
Okay, Christian Slater. I love Christian. Um, You can say anything. There's no censorship. (laughs) (laughs) People want to know. He's he's physically very sensitive. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I can't say why. Is there like a skin condition? No, 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 no. Very sensitive. Okay. Kevin Dillon. Strip clubs in Vancouver. Okay. Um, okay. Do you want to put a period during, on that sentence? During – oh, because there were the only places you could get um, NBA um, basketball games back in the day. Because oh. they didn't have those broadcast networks up there in the Canada. Got it. So, so he went there he took me, for the games He took you. me. Right. Yeah, so that I could watch some big screen uh, – Mm-hmm. Basketball action sure. and watch a little very, very, very world class talent on the stage. Uh, Antonio Banderas, guapo. Okay, uh, <laughs> Eric Stoll, covert. Gene Wilder, oh, oh, sweet, so sweet. Nervous. I think he thought he knew he knew my dad, so he's a little uncomfortable. Right. Our first scene was a sex scene. That's not that weird not, at all. That wasn't weird at all for anybody. Robert Downey Jr. Moondoggy. Brilliant, brilliant. Trouble, sweet. Is Moondoggy the character he played? <laughs> I no. don't know what you mean. He just would just say Moondoggy all the time. Okay. And I, so he'll know what we mean. He'll know. He'll know. Complicated, um, gifted, brill- brilliant talent. It's just raw, everywhere talent. Okay. I have one more. Jeremy Davidson. The best. The best. <laughs> Love of my life. Okay. Brilliant. Talented. Gorgeous. The you're, best father imaginable. You have no problem the coming up husband. with stream of consciousness. No, I love him so much. Him. It's crazy. <laughs> so I wonder if you think about or have thoughts about what it's like to be a celebrity now for people coming of mm. age in front of the camera versus when you did it and how you think you would have handled it. I mean, I think about it all the time because I've had basically a decade recently more off than on to have my family. And right. now I'm starting to to do it all again. But while away in this particular eight-year period of, you know, trying to get pregnant, having babies, having babies, having more babies, right. nursing them, whatever. But strangely enough, that is the exact time in which, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all, and Facebook even right. went from kind of nothing family to family vacation photos to, to everything to for for the old folks. You right. know, now it's like that's over. <laughs> but right. I mean, it's like the the twenty four hour news cycle. This um, people with how many followers they have and how many views on YouTube, and people are celebrities who who don't necessarily know anything about the kinds of things that that I learned growing up in order to be an actor, or a mm-hmm. person in front of the camera, or on the stage. It's bewildering in a way that how things are monetized now is affecting the creative decisions people make in order to get their movie financed or whatever. Right. They might hire somebody who's got a, a lot of followers on Twitter but has literally never acted a day in their life and never even modeled. Right. And I certainly would not even – I don't even think I would be an actress because I'm not good at self-promotion. And when I came up, the way that that I learned was about – um, playing a role from the inside out and understanding, investigating the, the the integrity of the story and the role you play inside of that story and then inside of that character, 
what their needs and wants are and their secrets and desires and and all of those things. And so if if none of that is really even where you're beginning from, right. I I fail that test. When did you realize, oh, I'm famous? I think I always saw celebrity and fame as having a cost attached to it. It was like a price tag. At a young age? Yeah, very young. Because, I mean, Robert Redford and his kids, we grew up basically together. We're very close. Our families were close. So you could see every single public place that he went and the, uh, you know, the the interaction with fans. And he was always very gracious. But that's, you know, a taxing kind of thing. There's no privacy. The way that um, his kids are all awesome, but they had to deal with that and the family had to deal with that. And so, you know, I, I, I'm i lucky to have grown up in the midst of people such as him. You know, he's not just another pretty face and he's not right. just a celebrity. He's done tremendous things with um, with his fame right. to, to make the world a, a far better place creatively and also environmentally and everything else. But um, so he's amazing. But I personally, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm afraid even for my kids. Like, I don't know how to manage social media. I'm just basically just trying to basically get my toe in the water now and figure right. it all out. And and I feel like um, the world is um, is moving so fast, you know. I mean, in a way, it's Do nice. Do people bother you when you're with your kids? No, I don't feel like people bother me. They probably just are terrified because there's so many <laughs> people tend to walk is the that, other way. Did Mary Stewart become a nanny? <laughs> what is going Aren't on? Aren't they can't all possibly that, be hers? That can't possibly. That's a preschool. <laughs> there are four of them. and She really is giving back. They really will, like, beat you up if you treat me wrong. Ask Jeremy. Is that why you had so many? Just to, just kind to of have, have your posse. own army? I have, I have a posse. Yeah, That's I'm very awesome. proud of my little posse. You should be. And uh, But I, I don't know. I mean, I think in terms of what I think celebrity means now, I think it's a mixed bag. I think there's certainly people doing amazing work across the board. I think social media allows people who wouldn't otherwise have access to have access and break out in ways that they couldn't before. So in a way, it's like this incredible democratizing force. Right. But on the other hand, um, I, I worry uh, about how disposable and how short the attention span well, is becoming. Well, it's like this Snapchat. Yeah. In 24 hours, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So it is sort of a perfect metaphor mm-hmm. for how fleeting it is. I mean, and also the idea of intimacy and privacy is something that you have to kind of reinvent. But the other thing is that when I became aware that I was... Public, a well-known person. Yeah. I, um, I feel like it was sort of around the time. Well, I think it was around the time of Some Kind of Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And... How old were you? And I just, I, how old was I? When it came out, I think I was 19, mm-hmm. 20, turned 20 maybe. It was kind of strange because I just always associated myself with, you know, if there was a lot of attention, media attention, whatever, it was just for the movie. Right. You know, I just, oh, and I'm in the movie, so I'm getting the attention from the movie. And I wanted to publicize things that I did, but I never wanted to talk about my personal life. And I never did, really. And I remember being in a grocery store and seeing like on Star Magazine, which was one of those tabloids in the mm-hmm. news at the checkout stand or whatever, myself in a picture with Sean um, from At Close Range, but it was a publicity still. But they made it look like we were having— Sean know, Penn and Mary Stewart Masterson are a couple. Yeah, yeah. 
And then in the fine print, it was sort of, this is from the movie, you know. Did you feel like you had to go around to everyone in the supermarket? I'm sorry, can I just have your attention for one second? This is, see, this is not. This is me, but it's not me. (laughs) It's my character. It's my character. See, she's wearing character clothes. And then I always, I always like dyed my hair different colors. I was like, I'm a character actress, you know, Mm -hmm. because I was really a hair actress. But um, because it was sort of this idea that. It felt so uncomfortable to play what I what was like a version of myself. I didn't feel like I was a personality. In fact, I felt in some ways I hadn't formed yet because mm-hmm. I had been doing it from, from the time such I was a so young. young. Age, yeah, and I I um, was offered a movie at one point right in that time frame, and I asked. I said I couldn't do it, and they were freaking out like, "Why can't you do this movie?" And I said, Be- "I really want to do this movie. It was a movie that was developed out of the Sundance Institute, and it was." terrific independent film and everything but I was so personally lost right I said I just feel like I don't really know who I am and I I don't feel like I have like a life or friends I've been on the road 11 months a year for three solid years and I actually had an apartment and I had a sheet up in the window because I never had time to hang a curtain like I I literally just was never home and all of my friends some of our mutual friends we're sort of like, oh, where is she? And nobody bothers right. calling anymore because you're never there. And then right. you come back, you're like really lonely and right. like, where are my friends? You right. know. So I just felt like I needed to stop for I'm a sure minute. The way you know? the movie business is so sensitive, I'm sure they're like, listen, totally get it, and you can find yourself as soon as we wrap. <laughs> exactly. If you could just squeeze one <laughs> more then, in during your crisis, we'd really yeah. appreciate it. And then I get like a reputation for turning quote turning things down. I'm like, right. what? You're not allowed to turn things down. Like, if, not that, if you're a woman. No, that's your. You're supposed bitch. to say yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's it was so ungrateful. Yeah, she should be on her knees. Oh, actually, mm-hmm. you look good on your knees. Like, yes. Yeah. In fact, we have two parts for you. <laughs> Right. There's the European version. But that's another thing is when I was coming up, it was sort of like a post-70s resurgence when you think of Meryl Streep Mm -hmm. and Sally Field and like Norma Rae and all these beautiful roles for women and Jessica Lange and, you know, they were doing amazing work and, you know, and then the movies changed and became these big tentpole things and... You know, I I feel sort of like where did the middle go, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like that's happening on TV now, which is actually incredible. Right. It's an incredible moment for, for, for kind of whatever happened to the mid-range movie, uh, the character-driven stories are actually all on 180 platforms. So I feel like it's gone full circle finally, you know. I know it gets depressing though because when your your agents will be like, "There, listen, there are seven thousand outlets right now," and you're like, "Okay, but well, I don't, don't have, I a job. have a job. <laughs> seems... I don't have a single, so not seven, one. There's seven seven thousand. <laughs> wow, I was depressed before. Well, That's four... really awful. But then how how is it that there are four hundred shows and seven hundred seven thousand outlets? Please don't make <laughs> don't me do, the do math. math. I've set up this podcast specifically to avoid any kind of math. So so (laughs) I have witnessed you create great works of art as an adult woman. So clearly, whatever moment of crisis you were going through many years ago, when you put the sheet up in the window and were like, (laughs) I'm not doing any films right now till I find myself... Something remarkable happened along the way, which is you did. (laughs) And you have, you know, this incredible body of work behind you as an actress that is um, your legacy, which is incredible. And now you've begun to create so many different works, whether it's directing, whether it's producing, whether it's getting involved in upstate New York to create like a full-on production facility to bring 
jobs and a whole film community to upstate. So what's next? When I think about a movie set or a theater company, I'm I'm very emotional because I feel like um, it's the most, in a way, utopian way of working. When um, when you're on a movie set, everybody is there together at the same moment doing really abstracted things to tell the same story or the same page or eighth of a page of a story. Right. So like, this guy's holding this stick and that person's got a piece of tape attached to the bra strap of a shirt and that person is saying these lines and the other person is driving this car and stopping on a mark and the other person is turning a wheel and the other person is right. – and it all has to happen exactly at the right time, at the right second. And then you're – what do you have? You have just another moment in your story yeah. out of order that ends up edited in and it, it's it's beautiful to see everybody working together. And um, the more independent it is, the more you know that people are there to for that reason because it isn't for the money or the same person is <laughs> doing all driving things. the car and putting the tape on the bra cutting the carrot yes, exactly. and also getting on their mark but this yes. is true and you know what that is lovely about indie film now is that you can actually do all the jobs not that you on want your to phone and and film it you on can. your phone if you want yeah and we do um but yeah so i um i moved upstate because we were pregnant with our fourth child and we just thought we cannot live in the city anymore. As much as I grew up in the city, I love it. Right. Um, I, I miss theater, but even that schedule, I don't know how I would do that right, right now with these little kids and miss bedtime, you know, six days of the week. So we moved up there, and it was, it's it's amazing up there. And then uh, I was offered a TV show in Vancouver, and I thought, well, these people are great. I can't believe they're offering me a show. I'm still nursing this baby. I just moved to this town. Right. I can't go move to Canada right now. and Not the best time. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I, I would have to do it on the East Coast I at least. you know. And they're like, how's Baltimore? And I was like, that's the South. Mm. What about Kingston, New York? And they laughed. But anyway, I, I ended up not doing it. And um, you know, it was, that was a good choice anyway because I just needed to be home a little longer with the baby. Is that the show um, Paris Hilton is doing instead? Because <laughs> no. she gets all the parts she that does. you turned down, doesn't well, she? Yes, and I get her parts. So I decided I decided to look into it, and I, I realized, well, what the hell? What's going on up in upsta- upstate? And I've started um, a benefit corporation for uh, in Kingston called Stockade Works, which is – a place where we will provide a crew boot camp and train people into production and technology jobs and um, provide access to underserved populations of people and underemployed people, whether it be people of color, women, veterans, older people, people with disabilities, um, to teach them these these jobs that are basically largely blue-collar jobs, you so know. So if people wanted to learn more or volunteer or get involved, is there a website yeah, for this? What is yeah, it? It's so stockadeworks.com, stockadeworks.com. And our whole idea is making local work. So I'm like, I want to work locally. I want to work where I live. So does everybody else right. like me that's up there. And hopefully we'll we'll be able to just continue to grow more and more crew up there right? and also attract existing productions to there to work in the sound stages and the post-production facilities that are already there as well as the one that we're building. So um, just for, the, you know, the so whole community. So you're sort of what George Lucas is to Northern <laughs> California. Okay, so my fantasy is I'm there to celebrate the end of your shoot and I'm handing out 
huge water guns filled with vodka, <laughs> and we will shoot the hell out of each other. And that is how we will celebrate the rap on the first that pilot. Is a great Are you idea. in? I'm Are you in? Totally in. Okay, last one. Mark Ruffalo. <gasps> oh, leather jacket. <laughs> okay, we're out. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Mary Stewart. Bye. He's my hero. He's actually. everybody's hero. Bye. I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Little Known Facts is recorded at the Hangar Studios in New York City. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.